Welcome everyone to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. I am your one and only host, Alexandra. Today on the show, I am happy to be welcoming author of the book, Picking Up the Broken Pieces, Ariel Bradbury. Overworked, Ariel's body was talking to her. She was lacking sleep and she was stressed at work. She didn't know she was actually having anxiety until one day she experienced the final straw. She was formally diagnosed with psychosis, and today we will be candidly talking to her about her journey that eventually led her to writing her book. So, Ariel, welcome to the Anxious Millennial Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. Ah, oh, the feeling is mutual. Um, so I will jump right in and start with the simplicity of asking you, what is your word for 2020 and why? So I'm going to have to go with difficult. I actually started my new year in the hospital going through psychosis while I was eight months pregnant with my son. Uh, so that was extremely hard time. Um, once I hit about just about like 39 weeks, we decided to induce. And then I ended up having an emergency C-section because my son, the cord was wrapped around my son's neck. So he actually came out not breathing. Um, he's okay. He did well. They had to put him on a ventilator and he's doing well now. Um, after he was born, I went through extreme postpartum depression. Um, so I'm still slowly recovering, but doing a lot better. Um, and then with COVID hitting as well, it's just been very difficult. I haven't been able to go to therapy the same as I normally would. I haven't been able to get out, talk to other mothers. So it's been a very, very difficult year for me. Have you had the option of having virtual therapy? Yes. So I usually just talk on the phone because I, I find myself like videos a little awkward for me. I just feel self-conscious for some reason. So I have just really been doing therapy over the phone. Oh, that's great. That's that's an excellent option. And thank you for sharing what you've been going through this year. I know um, it's interesting with COVID, we, you know, we're, we're sort of all lumped in the same basket, but we also forget that moreover, people are having their own personal issues on top of the bigger picture right now. So, you know, it's a good reminder to us all to ask each other every once in a while, you know, how are you doing? Yes, it's very important. How are you actually doing? <laughs> Exa yes, exactly. Because a lot of us put up that facade. So can you, Ariel, walk my listeners through your journey? What made you realize you were actually struggling with anxiety? Um, so every day when I before I go to work, I would have these terrible stomach aches, I would gag, I would sometimes vomit in the morning, but it was awful. I had no idea what was going on. So I kept going to my doctors, I had a whole bunch of tests done, they told me, Oh, you have IBS. And so I just kind of accepted, okay, that's what it is. And you know, at nighttime, sometimes I walk around the room and pace and I had no idea really what was going on. And then when I went through psychosis, the stomach problems went away. And once I kind of healed from psychosis and everything, my stomach problems stopped because I realized it was because I wasn't working anymore. So uh, that's when I realized it's, it's not IBS, it's anxiety. I'm having anxiety about going to work every day. And can you define, because a lot of people I think are confused with 
what psychosis actually is. Can you define what that what that is for us? Yeah, um, kind of the textbook definition. I'll go over a little bit about my definition, but it's a condition that affects the way that your brain processes information. It causes you to lose touch with reality. So you may hear, believe, see things that aren't really real. Um, and psychosis can be caused by extreme stress, which is what happened to me. Um, it can also be caused by trauma, uh, abuse of alcohol and drugs. Um, so all those things happened to me when I went through psychosis. Um, I didn't even think my parents were really my parents. At one point, I thought they were imposters and that they're pretending to be my family, but they weren't really my family. Um, I also thought that I was black, which I am Caucasian. I thought that I could smell smoke on my father at one point, but he never smoked at all. So lots of different things would happen. You would think things, and then all of a sudden your brain would trigger portions of you. Um, I could also smell fresh linen once, which was a really interesting one. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what psychosis is. Mm. So it, what I'm hearing is it basically be manifested through more than like all the five senses. Yes, yes, very much so. Psychosis is a term I've heard. I never quite knew what it was. And that is why this type of conversation is so important to be had is because the reason I created this podcast in the first place was to be able to provide an education. And when we're well aware, we are much more empowered. And then the stigmas start to fall away. And that's why we have to be able to define, for example, what psychosis is, what panic disorders are, you know, what anxiety actually is. I think we all come equipped with our pre-existing notions, but we have to be able to define it. Now, Ariel, you were dealing with psychosis alongside also dealing with anxiety? Yes. Well, it's kind of like my anxiety over time caused the psychosis because anxiety, sometimes stress and anxiety can go hand in hand. They kind of seem like the same thing, but anxiety yeah. is more of like an, to a higher extent, you know, all of a sudden it starts affecting your body. Like everybody in the world goes through stress and anxiety, but once it starts actually affecting your body and your brain, that's when it's more of a severe case. Hmm. And I think what's what's also important is um, obviously talking about it, but um, not so much labeling it, but hearing personal experiences. So um, it adds context and it adds you know richness to the story instead of just you know hearing about what it what it is you know in a very theoretical sense. You know, there's there's something to be said about the story behind it. So that leads me to asking you, Ariel. Um, tell us about your book, Picking Up the Broken Pieces. Yeah, so my story is about what happened to me in 2015. It goes over how I start, started with anxiety and how one day I just all of a sudden was in the shower and I was screaming and swearing and thinking my life was passing by. Um, that's when I went through psychosis. I called 911. I went to the hospital and then over time, eventually, I found out I was going through psychosis. Um, I go into detail about how mental health facilities are. So my first night, I stayed in a room that was a mattress on the floor and a metal toilet. Um, so there's a lot of reality in my book. It talks about how I felt, what I was going through. 
Um, I go in from psychosis after that. I went into severe depression. So it's all about what went through my mind during depression and how hard it was and how I was hospitalized again for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I go into another portion of my life that uh, when I was pregnant with my second son, when I went through psychosis again and was in the hospital, um, it's all about what I went through and the basically the viewpoint of someone that's gone through psychosis and severe depression. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a bit of there's a journal near the end that just kind of is me talking about what what I'm going through while I'm in the mental health facility. So that's interesting. I'm going to pick up on that now. The mental health facility, I mean the way you're describing it right now is not at all what I would picture a place where one would go to get well. Was that shocking to you once once you got to the facility, I mean, did you have the wherewithal to realize this is almost inhumane? Yeah. So when I I went, I actually passed out right away because I'd gone through so much. I fell asleep on the mattress. And when I woke up, I thought that I was in prison. I thought that I was drinking and driving and killed someone. Um, it was horrible. Uh, that isn't like you don't stay in that room. That's for people who are going through extreme psychosis, which I was. Um, at the time so you stay in that room until basically you're stable enough to go on to the regular floor and then on the regular floor though you could be in a room with one person you could be by yourself if you're really lucky but um, for the most part you're usually in a room with about four people so it to me it it really resembles jail and then there's also like a cafeteria where everyone goes and lines up for their food and the food at the one facility was like mush. It was, you know, uh, vegetables that were overly cooked and very soggy and water. And yeah, wow. it wasn't very pleasant. <laughs> wow. I Interestingly enough, I think this is leading into a, a bigger picture sort of question. But do you feel inherently now having been through the system, if you will, I say I say that with air quotes, but having been through the system in that sense, do you feel that it's flawed? I mean, are we, are we capable as a society to take care, you know, mental well-being? I just think that it's, it's a very hard line. I mean, uh, I understand from being in the mental health facility that there is things that you do that you have no capable, you, you can't realize what you're doing. And so the metal toilet is there because if there was a toilet seat, someone going through psychosis might rip it off and throw it. The, the reason why it's just a mattress on the floor because people tend to push their beds into the walls and, and mm. that. But it's hard to say, you know, because I understand in a certain point that sometimes mental facilities need to be a certain way. But yeah, I don't think that it's a caring way. Like my first experience, the nurses were extremely rude to me. I got drug tested multiple times. They didn't believe me that I wasn't on drug. There was just so much. Um, one nurse said to my mother, there's the pamphlets for drug addiction. And my mom said, no, my daughter's here for psychosis. She's not going through drug addiction. And the lady said, yeah, that's what all the parents think. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so really as a society, like I think that mental health institutions are not treated as they should. I mean, they should be in my opinion, they should be a, this lovely place that you go to recover. 
I wish that we had the funding for that. I'm actually hoping with my book proceeds that I can uh, use some of the money to go towards mental health facilities. I'd like to donate like toiletries, books. I definitely want to get my book in there. When I was there, all the books were from the 40s and 50s. They're really old books. I don't know if people don't know that they can donate books, but that's also something great that you can do. You know, there's lots of things that can be done, I think, within the mental health facility. I noticed, like, it majorly needed a paint job when I was there. The The walls were chipped like crazy. Like, I think that it's something once a year they repaint the whole place and make it look a little nicer. They've got to be able to do something. <laughs> it's shocking to me. I, I have to say I am completely taken aback i would assume and this is ignorance talking i mean i'm just being blunt right i mean it, it's in all transparency i i'm on the outside looking in but i would have assumed there was at least the level of a, a, a hospital where you know as much as a hospital is not the warmest place in the world it it is maintained where at the very least there's regular paint jobs and, and renovations that are done so that it's, you know, up, up to snuff. See, that that's important also that you're saying that, you know, people don't know that they could donate things like toiletries and books. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So your book, I, I know it's on Amazon. Now, is there also an audiobook version? Unfortunately, there's not. I want to look into getting one, though. I think that'd be great, especially right now. People are listening to audiobooks, Ariel, on like, on their walks or, you know, if they're taking like a mini, a mini break, something to think about. I think that'd be really awesome, you know, and it, it could reach a lot of people. So our, over and above Amazon, where else could we find your book? Um, The book is at Chapters. Right now it's just online. It should be in store soon. Um, Barnes and Noble for in the States. Um, and it's on the Friesen Press bookstore. I found with them, though, the shipping is more expensive. So I'm curious, and this is merely because I'm very fascinated with the writing process. And I think people who are capable of writing books especially are immensely talented. Do you feel as though the book writing process was both therapeutic and cathartic for you? Yeah, I found it extremely therapeutic um, throughout the time, just writing about how I was feeling. I wrote so many pages in, in one day. Like when, when I went through, after I went through this psychosis and everything, I just kind of jot noted in my phone. But then once I actually began writing, wasn't until 2019 actually that I started writing. Um, I, I was just off the shelf writing, just going crazy. Um, it felt so therapeutic, but at the same time, it, I had to step back sometimes because it almost made me go into like a mode. I got kind of afraid that like, oh my goodness, I'm going too much. Maybe I could go into psychosis, you know, doing this again. So I need to take a break. And then when I wrote the piece about depression, I found it really hard. Um, you know, it just made me feel so sad inside and, and so scared because you know, I'm thinking in my head, like, this was awful. Like, I really hope I don't go through this again. Um, so that was really emotional for me. And then when I read, um, so my father and my sister did a perspective in my book as well. And it just made me ball. I was, it was so hard to read just about how they felt of what I was going through and 
so that was really tough. Um, but all, overall, I really enjoyed writing my book. Oh, that's awesome. I think if you can reap something really positive from it and you're able to not just that, but you're able to deliver a message that'll be able to touch people and perhaps even motivate anybody out there who feels those types of symptoms and and it's manifested in that way to actually reach out and get help because I don't think enough is known about psychosis per se. So again, because I am absolutely enthralled by the writing process, did you, over and above the notes you took on your phone, did you, did you keep a diary or did you do most of it from memory and some of the notes from your phone? Can you walk us through that process? I was writing from memory. Um, it was really hard because I would try and think of sometimes it'll be hard, but then because it was over years, whenever something just came to mind, I would put it in my phone. So I would write it in my phone sometimes, like I would just maybe put a couple words and then I knew those few words would trigger my memory and then I would write it. Well, that's awesome. That means you have a photographic memory, I believe to a certain extent. That's, that's a <laughs> yes, gift. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. What about at present time? Do you keep a journal? Yes, yes. I actually just filled one. I'm on to my second one and I've got a third one going. Oh, that's so awesome. I love I love journaling so much. I think it's one of my favorite things to do. I was told recently that a gratitude journal actually helps with sustaining long-term happiness. So the instructions go as this. You have to find three Where's Waldo in your day. Even if you had a terrible day, you go ahead and you really think about what was unique about the day, not like you know, um, not something that would happen every day, but, you know, for example, I don't know if someone brings you coffee that you did not expect, or, um, you know, getting that Amazon delivery made you really happy or the, the delivery person was especially friendly, you know, they could be the smallest things, but if you could find three where's Waldo in your day, it's apparently really good to help you with sustaining, you know, gratitude and long-term happiness. I, I, I'm obsessed with the notion of happiness. So I try to find all these ways to, to help me cope. But yeah, um, just sort of putting that out there, speaking of, of, of keeping a diary. Um, so Ariel, what, what then switching gears, what keeps you motivated every day? I'd say my kids keep me motivated. Um, they make me realize like I need to get out for the day. So, you know, I like to make sure that my kids get some activity in the day or that we get some sunshine we go out for walks um they really motivate me that way because I don't want to just have them sit and watch tv all day so it really motivates me to get out and going for the day and you know get dressed get up and go um my husband also is a huge motivator for me um you know he tells me all the positive things that I've done in a day and um keeps me motivated just by saying you know you're you're doing great and um, you're such a good mom. And, you know, so he just does a lot of things that really motivate me to stay happy and positive with my life. Do you feel like being a mom has reset your perspective a little bit? Yes, I think so. Um, just because being a mom means that you're down on the ground, you're playing, you're doing things. And like I read one time a blog about a guy that says, 
just play, you know, to help with depression, just pretend you're a kid again and play, you know, go out and kick a soccer ball, you know, do something. So I think that by going out and say kicking a ball with my son, it's increasing my serotonin and making me feel better. 100%. Playfulness is so important. We forget so often that we were kids once and, you know, we get, we sort of drown in our day to day. But if you could find that song that'll make you get up and dance, it'll shift your energy. It, it really will. Or I, I was rolling on the, literally laughing. Someone said the funniest thing. And you know that hearty laugh, Ariel, where it's like it comes <laughs> from <laughs> the stomach. I swear it had been so long since I had laughed that heartily, if I could say. It felt so good. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah laughter, play. You know, simple things, right? But we, we we forget. So do tell, Ariel, what are you most excited for looking ahead? Um, I'm really excited to kind of, I like to watch and see how my sales are going. Um, it's just so exciting when people support my book. Um, but the most exciting part for me is that I want to give back. Like the whole purpose of my book is that so that I can help people. So um, by reading my book, I love to hear people's feedback. And I've had a lot of people that said that just changed my life. Like I realized how I was treating other people when it comes to mental health and that what I was doing was wrong and that I had so much misconceptions. So um, that has been my excitement. Every few weeks, someone says they read my book because it, it takes a long time because it's come from the UK for some reason. But so every week I get at least one person telling me about my book. So um, that's my excitement. And my excitement is that once COVID is over, I can go and uh, volunteer and donate to the mental institutions and hopefully uh, just start my own initiative. So that's that's what I've been excited for. It's ever since I've gone through psychosis in 2015, it's just been my passion. I just feel that it's something that I have to do. It's just something I want to do and that I just really want to help people. Wow, that is very powerful. It's interesting how dark times have this way to really build grit and almost channel that into this hunger to want to do better. So, yeah. I, you know, Oprah said it. I, I quote Oprah all the time on the podcast, but, <laughs> um, you know, she said that for her to have reached her level of success, if you will. It took her, you know, I mean, her childhood was atrocious and she talks a lot about the abuse that she went through. But then she said, had I not had those dark times, had I not been, you know, kicked a couple of times when I was down and in her, in the beginning of her career as well, um, even at actually at, at some of the heights of her career, she said, if I had not had those types of obstacles to overcome, she, she says all the time she she would have never reached her level of success it's it's like it's like staring at you ever i see this all the time on linkedin is the the iceberg where the tip looks small and shiny but under that iceberg is a huge block that is miles long that reaches the seafloor and it involves the failures no one really talks about and some of the mental health things that no one really talks about, but should um, some of the tribulations, the, the, the loss, the trauma. 
So all those things make it so that what we see, which is the tiny tip of the iceberg, you know, it, it eventually leads to that. So, you know, I think what you're doing is amazing. I really commend you for being someone who is going to make it that we so that we talk about mental health. Um, for anybody, once again, please go check out Ariel's book. It's called Picking Up the Broken Pieces. Ariel, I would love to ask you this to cap it off. If there is any song playing anywhere, what would make you stand up and dance? I know the song. It's by the Proclaimers. Uh, I would yeah. walk 500 miles. That is my song. Love. That song, um, we always listen to it for Terry Fox, and it just, it really motivates me. <laughs> I love that song. That is such a 90s throwback. I'm such a 90s kid. That is, I love that song. Oh, my goodness. So, Ariel, thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I thank you for your candid story and your journey, and it's going to touch a lot of people. So, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. A huge thank you to Arielle for being open and candid about her story and her writing journey. I always love listening to personal accounts that way that allows us to really put context to things we might not necessarily understand. So I hope you enjoyed that and you learned a little something along the way. And as always, gently reminding you to go out there and conquer everything that you fear and that you don't fear. So to that, have a great week. Bye.